Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We've been in a series studying the different names of God found in the Old Testament. Uh, I think this is our, I don't know how many weeks we've been in it, five or six weeks. But specifically, we're studying those compound names of God that we read in the Old Testament. Um, either they begin with Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on how you want to make that pronunciation. Um, but if you remember, I shared in previous messages, God's personal name was revealed to us in Exodus chapter 3, when all of a sudden the Lord began to speak to Moses out of a burning bush. And out of that burning bush, when the Lord is speaking to Moses, Moses said, who, do you, who, do you, who should I say that's sending me? And the Lord says, I am. I am that I am. And the personal name that comes that's connected to that that, that, that statement, I am, is this name Yahweh or Jehovah. And the idea is it conveys God's completeness, God's lack of nothing. Everything we need, and I want you to catch a hold of this because this is going to be really good for us today. Everything we need is found in him. We can find everything that we ever need in life if we just spend time with Jesus. Today we're going to look at the name Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Say that with me. Jehovah Jireh. The definition of the name is the Lord will provide. The literal translation from the Hebrew is to see. To see. It conveys the idea that the Lord sees our need. He sees our need. And he will provide for it. Charles Spurgeon, a great Baptist preacher of the 19th century, states the definition this way. The God who will see to it. It's kind of an interesting phrase. The God who will see to it. I remember uh, when I was growing up as a kid, you used to hear that more often than we do today. Where all of a sudden someone would say that they're going to take care of a problem. They'll say, I'll see to it. I'll see to it. And it basically means that I'll get it done. I'll accomplish whatever needs to be done. We serve a God, Jehovah Jireh, that whatever our need might be, if it's according to his will, according to his purpose, he's going to meet that need in our life. The name Jehovah Jireh appears only once in the Bible. And it's a story where it was a matter of life and death. It's a story of God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. The story is found in Genesis 22. Boy, when you, when you hear that, that God was asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. That, that story just seems, that idea seems outlandish. How could that ever be? How could God ever ask someone to sacrifice their child? We're going to talk about that in just a minute and how that all comes about. But let me ask you before we dive into that, and that's just to keep you here so you don't leave. You want to find out that answer. But before we do that, let me ask a simple question. Do you believe the words of the Apostle Paul, the words that he wrote in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus? Do you believe that statement that the Apostle Paul writes? And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus said these words. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Many times we struggle with the promises of God. We read the promises of God. We hear the promises of God. But do we believe the promises of God? Sometimes we might believe the promises of God. I can believe the promises of God for my son Brett, or I can believe them for my wife Annette, or I can believe them for some of you out here. I, I can believe the promises of God for you. But then all of a sudden when I have to apply it to my own life, do I believe God's promises are true or not? Or are they only true for Brett or for Annette or for April or for anybody else? Who are they true for? Are they true for you as well? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. We hear those words, do we believe them? Or do we go to anxiety and do we worry about everything that's happening around our lives? And do you know what worry is displaying your disbelief in God's power? When you choose to worry, what you're really doing is that you're making a choice. I don't know that God is Jehovah Jireh. I don't know that God can really solve my problems. And you go to worry. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, do not be anxious about your life. The Apostle Paul tells us, don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. We're not called. Do you know you're not called to worry? It never says in God's word, you should worry more. You know, when problems come your way, just spend some time and worry. It never tells you to do that. And yet, how easy it is for us to do it. See, it's, it's, it's the ploy of the enemy to get our minds in this area of worry instead of putting our minds in the area of faith. You see, God wants us to live in this realm of faith. He wants to create an environment in our lives where we have the faith to believe that my God is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. But the enemy wants you to live over in this camp where all of a sudden you put your mind into worry and anxiety and you build all these things up. What's going to happen? And you start living this life of fear. And all of a sudden when you start living a life of fear, guess what? You're no longer living a life of faith. And God does not reside in fear. He resides in faith. We need to stay in faith to believe. We're not called to worry. Abraham's story is all about provision. It's about provision, how God provided over and over and over and over again in Abraham's life. But also, let's remember, Abraham was a man of faith. See, when, faith, when you lead in faith, provision takes place. Just telling you. But there should be some amens going right there. Let's start in Genesis 12.1. Just so we get a little background to who Abraham is in the Bible. Genesis 12.1, 1 through 2, it states, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's, father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. What made Abraham so unique is that when he heard the word of the Lord, he believed and he had faith and he followed God. It's not easy to leave everything behind and follow God without knowing where you're going. It requires great faith to be able to do something like that. I remember our kind of faith journey was when we moved to Vegas where I didn't want to go. I told God 
years and years ago, when I went out to Apple Valley to be, go visit my wife's family, I said, I'm never going to live in the desert. Do you know, can I tell you something? Never tell God never. I've been saying, God, I'm never going to live in Hawaii. It's just never going to happen for me. Because after I said never, guess what? The first, one of the first assignments I got was moving to Vegas. And that was a step of faith for me. In fact, we bought a house. I don't know if any of you have done this, but we bought a house sight unseen. We had never seen the house. We just bought it because we needed a place to live. But we knew God was calling. So by faith, we take this step of faith. Abraham's doing something crazy. He doesn't even know where he's going. He doesn't even know what the country's going. He's just saying, okay, I'm packing up. There's no car. There's no U-Haul. I don't know what they use. Camel's dying. And he's just moving. And he says, wherever you show me, Lord, I'm going. He took the step of faith to believe in God. Abraham followed God, and God blessed Abraham as promised. And God blessed him with many possessions. God's, God always provided but there was one blessing that Abraham had not yet received, and that was the blessing of a child. Remember, God promised to make Abraham a great nation? You're going to be a great nation. You know, it's hard to be a great nation if you can't have any children. Sarah couldn't conceive. She could have no children. So how is this going to work, God? Have you ever asked God that? How is this going to work? You say you're going to make me a great nation, but we can't even have children, Lord. And I want you to grab a hold of a truth here that's found in this story of Abraham. Sometimes we can become so impatient that we can get ahead of God's promise, which actually puts us behind God's promise. Instead of waiting for God's provision, what we do is once we hear the promise of God, where is it happening? When is it happening? When is it happening? And it's not happening. It's not happening. All of a sudden, we decide that we need to help God out. And we take matters into our own hands instead of waiting on God. And this is what happens to Abraham and Sarah. They got tired of waiting on God to fulfill the promise, and they took matters into their own hands. As you read the story of Abraham, you discover in Genesis 16, Sarah asked Abraham to sleep with her handmaiden, Hagar. She couldn't conceive. Hey, Abraham, here's one of our servants in our household. You can sleep with her. We can have a child through her. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar. And Hagar becomes pregnant and gives birth to a boy named Ishmael. Catch this thought because I think it's an important one. Anytime we try to fulfill God's promise through our own strength, we will always fall short of God's intended desire. Anytime we have a promise for God and then we try to fulfill it in our own strength, it will always fall short. We end up creating difficulties in our life, not solutions. This is what happened to Abraham and Sarah. They chose not to wait on God. They chose not to be patient. They didn't be patient on the promise. You know, patience is a virtue. This is a word for some of, someone here today. You need to be patient. Do you know patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit? It's something that God is supposed to, has given us. And if we walk with God, if we have the Holy Spirit living in our lives, there's times in our life where the Lord should just tell us to be patient. And we, he does tell us we need to listen to those words. Be patient. Abraham and Sarah, in this situation, they weren't patient. They got ahead of God. Abraham sleeps with Hagar. They have this son. 
But because of jealousy, all of a sudden, Hagar's waving it in the face of Sarah. You know what? I could have a son. Why, what are you doing here? I'm more important to Abraham than you are. All of a sudden, Sarah becomes jealous of Hagar. This whole thing has taken place. You can read the whole story. It's really interesting. I encourage you to do so. But ultimately, God fulfills the original promise because he doesn't give up on his promise. God will fulfill his promise. If he said it, it's going to be done. So God fulfills his promise to Abraham. And Sarah becomes pregnant in her, own age, in her old age. And she gives birth to a, a son named Isaac. Isaac. But the relationship between Sarah and Hagar never improved. And now all of a sudden, Hagar's son, Ishmael, is making fun of Sarah's son, Isaac. And Sarah, it's just this mess. You know, have you ever been in the family mess? It's like, all everything's unrest. Sarah's had enough. She goes to Abraham. She says, Abraham, I can't take this any longer. This is not going to work. So Abraham packs up Hagar's suitcase, packs up Ishmael's suitcase, and sends them on their way. Sounds pretty harsh. But if you read the whole story, God had promised Abraham that he would take care of Hagar and Ishmael. And God did provide for Ishmael. Even though Isaac was always God's intended plan for the fulfillment of the promise that he had given to Abraham, he did take care of Ishmael. But the interesting thing is, and this is what happens when we get ahead of God and we don't put our trust in him. Ishmael and his descendants always lived in conflict with Isaac and the 12 tribes of Israel, Jacob. That hostility still continues in the Middle East today. From something from way back when, when we get ahead of God's promise. And it's a great example of what happens when we step out of God's plan. We don't create solutions. We end up creating difficulties and problems. It doesn't mean that God's not in control. But it just means that God puts on a new direction, a new plan. It's like Adam and Eve. The plan for Adam and Eve was always in the very beginning that they would live with God in the, in the Garden of Eden and for all of eternity. That was the plan. But guess what? They didn't stick to the plan. They went outside the plan. God found a solution for us. But man, it was a costly, costly solution for each and every one of us and for Jesus. Let's now look at the story of God calling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. We don't know the exact age of Isaac. We do know he wasn't a baby. Uh, it, most likely he was at least a pretty, he, he was a teenager at least, and maybe even in his 20s, maybe even his early 30s was the age of Isaac. But I want to begin reading the story in Genesis chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 1, verse 2. We're going to read a good portion of this chapter, but I'm just going to kind of stop in between the reading and just share some thoughts. That's how we're going to do the message here today. Um, so we're going to start Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. Let's pray first, So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, Lord, I pray today that your word would just um, be planted in our hearts, uh, be planted in our minds, that your word will take root, that um, it will start to grow, start to develop in our hearts. And like as we sang today, we want to be more like you. We want to be more like you. And so, God, I pray today that will take place as we hear your word, that things in our heart that maybe aren't right or things in our mind that maybe aren't right, that, God, you'd start changing those things by the power of your word. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. Starting verse 1, says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Duh! Do you know that God tested your faith? He will. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. 
Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountains, which I will show you. Now this request, come on guys, this is a hard request to understand. But God is testing Abraham's faith. At times we will become so self-sufficient that there's times in our life that God will test us. He will put our faith to a test. Are we, are we more reliant on self or are we still reliant on God? And I believe this really comes out of God's kindness. Because anytime we become putting our faith in ourself, guess that, that leads to no end. God knows that our faith has to remain in him for us to have a promise of eternity in heaven with him. So there's times in our life where he'll put us to our test to make sure that we're not becoming so self-sufficient on ourselves that we forgot about him. And I believe this is taking place in Abraham's life. God is testing Abraham's faith. Is Abraham's faith in him or is Abraham's faith in this new promise that God has given him in in his son Isaac? What is it? Many times, catch this thought, Many times the blessings of God can become our idols. The blessings of God all of a sudden become the things that we worship. We begin to worship the blessings instead of worshiping the one who has given us the blessings. That's why giving thanks is so important in our lives. When we give thanks, what we're really truly saying is, God, I recognize that today the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm blessed with do not come from my own strength. But God, I recognize that they're coming from you. And I give you thanks. We should be giving thanks to God every single day. Every, actually, every single hour. I mean, we should be just continually in our life throughout the day giving thanks. Thanks to God. Another thought I want to share with you. Blessings can become curses if we don't realize the blessings are God-given. The blessings in your life can become curses against you if you don't realize that God has given you given them to you for a purpose. It's so many times why when we receive a blessing, there's times in our life when we receive a blessing, there's many times we need to give it back to God. Not preaching right there, man. You're just going to it. Now, if you haven't seen the symbolism in this scripture yet, let me point it out to you. God tells Abraham to take his only son, the one that Abraham loves much. And it's the son that God had always attended for between him and Sarah. And offer him as a sacrifice. Do you see the symbolism? That pretty soon God would give his own son as a sacrifice for our sins? Let's continue to verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire and for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, uh, with the donkey Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship them there. And then we will come right back. Now many times, as we read through Scripture, we just read through the Bible. We read so fast that we don't look at the words. We don't pay attention to what's taking place. But Abraham is sharing his faith right here. He's sharing his belief right here. Because sometimes what we do is we just miss the statement at the very end. And then we will come right back. We're going to go up to that mountain. We're going to worship. He didn't say, and then I will come back. Abraham said, and the pronoun plural, and we will come back. 
See, Abraham always had the faith that God was going to provide. He never doubted. Even though the Lord said, go sacrifice your son, he always had the faith that God was going to provide. And we will come back. This is why the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews eleven nineteen. 19, he says, Abraham reasoned that if his son Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham believed that God could do the impossible. He had faith to believe in God. It's another level of faith. Abraham completely trusted God. His faith was undeterred, and he was obedient to God's command. Why? Because Abraham knew what it felt like to be in the blessings of God by faith and to be outside of obedience and not in the blessings of God. He knew what both felt like, and he chose, I'm going to remain in the blessings of God. I'm going to obey God because I know that God is for me, not against me. It's a journey that we all have to discover. Every one of us have to discover this journey, that God is for me, not against me. If God asks me to do a difficult thing, there's a reason for it. And I'm just going to follow and trust God through that process. Jesus shares these powerful words in Luke 6.46. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Why do you keep saying, Lord, Lord, but you don't follow my direction. You're not obedient to my word. Why, don't you, why do you keep saying it? Why do you keep crying out to me, but you don't listen to me? There's a great movie, Western. Love the movie. I say it all the time. It drives my, my wife crazy. At the end of the movie, an open range. It's a Western with Kevin Costner. It's a great gunfight at the end. I love gunfights. Just sorry. Just pray for your pastor. At the end of the movie, all of a sudden, Kevin Costner looks to his new bride that he just has. He goes, how is this going to work if you don't do what I say? And I say this all the time as a joke for the net. She looks at me and goes, But I wonder at times if that's what God does from heaven. And he looks down at us and he goes, how is this going to work if you never do what I say? How is this ever going to work? How are the promises that I promised you ever going to be fulfilled if you don't do what I say? That's what Jesus is saying here. You keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't say what or you don't do what I say. Word for some of you. Let's just be obedient. I'm working through it myself. Abraham always had the faith that the Lord would provide. Let's keep reading the story. Verses 6 through 7. So Abraham placed wood on the fire. Or so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. While he himself carried the fire and the knife. They used to have like a little pot that would have fire in it that they could carry up. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father... Yes, my son. Yeah, some of you are already laughing. Abraham replied, We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? It's like all of a sudden, Isaac's thinking, Okay, hang on. We got the fire. We got the wood. We have nothing for the sacrifice. Hey, Dad, Pa, have we forgotten something here? Once again, look at Abraham's reply. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered. And they both walked together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. 
Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Most likely, we don't know for sure, but most likely, Isaac was a willing sacrifice. He was probably a pretty good-sized boy, and Abraham was pretty old. It's an interesting thought. Again, Abraham had the faith that somehow God would provide. It's important that I just say this real quick as we, for guests here that maybe aren't, are getting new into God's word, God was never about human sacrifice. He was actually always against it. It's actually forbidden in, Jer- forbidden in Jeremiah 7.31 to do human sacrifice. This was never about human sacrifice. This was about Abraham's faith. Continue to verse 10. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord, anytime you see the angel of the Lord, it was usually a sign of actually Christ himself, called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham, replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. We see that Abraham's passed the test. God sees his faith. God sees Abraham's submission to God's authority. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his very son, who was the fulfillment of God's promise. You've got to understand that. It's like taking the promise that God has promised you, and you're taking that promise and you're throwing it away, but you're doing it because God's told you to do so. This is what's taking place. How is Abraham ever going to be the father of a great nation if he doesn't have his son Isaac with him? And it once again reminds me that we must never allow the blessings of God to interfere with our obedience to God. Never allow the blessings of God to interfere with your obedience to God. Many times we allow our way of life, our style of life, our comfort of life to get in the way of following after God. We allow God's blessings to become our idols. Abraham proved that wasn't happening in his life. That God was the most important thing in his life. Abraham was willing to sacrifice it all for God. Why? Because he had confidence in God that the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, would provide. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him because he believed God and his righteousness. It's why Abraham is listed in the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, the examples of faith that are given. Man, Abraham probably fills up a third of that chapter because of his faith in God. In life, we will face testing. There will be times where we'll see difficulties. We'll face against problems. We'll face against troubles. And in those times, we think, man, how are we going to get out of this? Man, it just seems impossible. There's no way. Do you believe that you serve a God named Jehovah Jireh? The Lord will provide. Nothing is too difficult for our God. Jesus said these powerful words. And they're powerful words I want you to hang on to. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. When we try to hang on to things too tightly, we can, become, we can be in jeopardy of losing what's most important. Our relationship with Christ. Make sure Jesus is priority. For the rest of the story, starting in verse 13. Then Abraham looked up. And saw a ram. So he's about ready to sacrifice Isaac. He has Isaac all bound. He's on the altar. He has the knife up. Angel stops him and says, don't, don't do that. And then all of a sudden he looks up and he sees a ram caught in, 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 by its horns in a thicket in some heavy brush. 
So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The powerful truth found in this story is the foreshadow, foreshadowing of God's ultimate sacrifice of his son. In fact, this story, without understanding that it's the foreshadowing of what God was going to do for us, really makes no sense. It really has to, you have to understand, it's the foreshadowing of what's going to take place in the future for each and every one of us. You see, when Isaac was on that altar and, and Abraham was about ready to sacrifice the, alt, uh, the Isaac, he didn't want to do that because he loved his son. All of a sudden, the angel of the Lord said, stop, don't do that. And then all of a sudden, Abraham sees a ram that's caught in the thicket. He's caught in the brush. The horns are caught in there. He goes and uses that ram to become the sacrifice for his son. See, what God has done for you and for me, he loves us so much that he is taking his one and only son, Jesus, and Jesus has become the ram that is caught in the thicket. He all of a sudden became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When John the Baptist said that word, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that's a prophetic word of Jesus who is wiping away our sins because he took on the punishment of our sins that we deserved. He said, I will do it. You are the Isaac. You were saved by Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? Our sins, our punishment are wiped away. We have a future in heaven not hell. We have a future in heaven because of who Jesus is in our life. He saved us. See, the story of Abraham and Isaac is a wonderful story of God's faith or of our faith and God's provision. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. I close today with the scripture that I began with. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of mine. This week, I want you to think about those words. Do you believe them? Write them down on the bathroom mirror. Put them on a note card and put it in your car when you're driving down the road. Do you believe that God will provide for your every need? If it's according to his will? He's already provided his son Jesus for you. To take away your sins. If we put our faith in Christ, guess what? It's resolved. Start following Jesus. He is providing for you and for me. All we have to do is be like Abraham. We just have to believe. We just have to, take the, we just have, to have the faith to go, what, what, Lord? What'd you say? Hear my Lord. Okay, I'll follow you, God. And we start following Christ. That's all we have to do is just have the faith to believe and follow after Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit in this place today. Thank you for our worship time where we felt your presence so real and 
And then just in this time where we're reading your word and learning more about who you are in our life, God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is already working on lives and hearts of people here today. And I pray, God, that you would do a work in each and every one of us. With heads bowed, eyes closed for just a minute. I just feel impressed to ask this question. And no shame in the game. We've all been in different places in our life. We've all had different struggles. Man, if we, if we don't... This is a, if you're struggling, this is a place to be here in church. This is where you should be at. But maybe you've been just struggling with fear and doubt and discouragement. And you just need hope in your life. I just want to pray over you today that you don't need to live in fear. I had a friend of mine call me the other day and he just said, man, I'm just, just down. I'm just discouraged. I just don't have hope. And so I've been praying for him. That's what we should do is pray for one another. And, but if you're here today and you're just living in fear and just not sure how to step out of it, I just want you to raise your hand real high, real, real quick for a minute because I just want to pray over you. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see hands all over this place. Anybody else? Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. There's a great thing when we acknowledge, yeah, this is my struggle. It's great to acknowledge it. Now, in the name of Jesus, we're going to believe that that fear is going to be replaced with faith. I want you to believe it in your heart right now. Lord Jesus, I saw every hand that raised. And if I didn't, God, you did. And you see their hearts and you see the struggles. You see maybe the fear or the discouragement or whatever it might be in their life, Lord God. And it's not that they aren't real things. They're real, they're real troubles. They're, they're real things. They're real problems. They're real difficulties. But Lord, I pray today that that fear that the enemy is putting on our heart and our mind, God, I pray today that it will be replaced, Lord God, with a measure of faith that you have given each and every one of us. I pray that we would, Lord God, uh, cast down those thoughts of discouragement and fear, and Lord God, that we put upon us, Lord God, faith, Lord God, not in ourselves, but in you, God, that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. For those things that we need, God, that you will step in, Lord God, and you will provide for each and every one of our needs. Give us greater faith to get today, God. Let our mind be focused on you. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would have the mind of Christ. That you would put that on our hearts and our lives that we would choose, Lord God, to follow you. And as we follow you, Lord God, you would take that fear. And Lord God, we would have faith in Jesus' name. Let us walk in faith. We love you, Lord. And we are so grateful for who you are in our lives. Everyone said. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.